We're sexy hot live. We have all the beverages. We have all the phones and cameras pointed on us. Okay, today's very special because we have a very cool guest today, and I know how to pronounce his first name. I don't know how to pronounce his second name. I could take a stab at it, but I'm not going to do that. <sighs> Welcome to LFA. Today we have Andrew Sotomayor. Is your mic on? Is it? I don't know. I don't hear myself. Can you? I can't hear you either. Hey, Julie. What's the issue here with his mic? This is pulled all the way down, which I did not do. How's that? Oh, What's there it up? is. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Andrew. Sotomayor. Okay. Yeah. Andrew, I don't know if you've listened to or heard about looking for artists until <laughs> you were asked to come on. You Really? Yes. Well, thank you. No problem. I feel flattered. Well, you, Are you running the interview today? No, absolutely not. Okay. It's all you, man. So basically what this show is about is like doing what you did before I got here, which is chilling with people and talking about things that interest you. Cool. So I think it's going to be fun and easy. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to start this episode with question of the day, and then we'll see what we get into from there. Okay. Okay. Question of the day for you is... I'll give you an option, and it's the same theme, color. What's your favorite color? Or, if that sounds too boring, sorry, not what's your favorite color. If you had to be a color, what color would you be and why? That's a better question than what's your favorite color. That or if you had to create a palette of colors to use always, what colors would be on that palette? Ooh, those are both really good. Yeah, and if you want to answer both, that's also fine. I think I can answer both. Good. All right, can you repeat the first question yeah. to me? If you were a color, mm -hmm. what color would you be and why? Got it. If I was a color, if I were a color, were. Mm -hmm. If I were a color. If you were a color. If I were a color, I would probably be a mint green. Yum. Yeah. And why? I'd be a mint green. Uh, very easy on the eyes. It's one of those colors that you don't necessarily like go straight to. Everyone like picks a blue or like a red or something bold or obvious. Uh, it's... Not the most obvious choice, but it's quite beautiful, and it kind of goes with a lot of different things without you realizing it. Hmm. So you don't pick it immediately, but when you see it, it's like, I actually like that color. I'm really into it. Yeah, that's very true, actually. I mean, when we were starting our media produ production company, which mm -hmm. you can thank our Rock Rising for LFA, we were coming up with colors and like a color scheme that we would use for a website and quote unquote branding purposes you know yeah and mint real. green was like one of the top colors on our list it's easy on the eyes it's easy on the yeah. eyes but it's also it it asks something mm -hmm. of the person looking it's like it's kind of intense it's it's easy on the eyes but it, there's something yeah. there well it says something once she's there it says something and i think that's why people don't really like pick it often huh. nobody really wants to paint their room mint but then they do it and it's like i'm actually into that yeah my sister-in-law yeah. has a mint green bicycle and it's it's striking, and you would never call mint green striking until you see a bicycle that's mint green. It's like that is a striking little bicycle right there. It's I want beautiful. some mint, mint green shit right. Right? Now. Don't you? You're into it now. I'm into it now. See, I sold you on the mint. Okay, so that was great. Yeah, and um, I mean, I can already tell based on how you're talking about color, like that you're into it, mm -hmm. and that it pro you probably I know what you're about, but our listeners don't, okay. and so I'm kind of insinuating that what you do may have to do with color sometimes. Sometimes it does. Okay. And the second question? 
Second question. Uh, Do you remember? Palette. Yes. Remind me. If you had to create a palette of colors, what colors would be on that palette? A palette of colors. So now, a palette of colors for any day use, for like anything? Every day use for anything. It could be sig- like emotional signaling. It could be literal painting. You know, it could be whatever it is. You know what I love? I genuinely love neon colors. Some of my happiest memories are from when I'm a child and uh, going to Walmart. And did you grow up around Walmart? I did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's why I cocked my head because I'm like, okay, Walmart. Yeah, I grew up in Florida. We love the Walmart. And when regular Walmart turned into Super Walmart, it was a situation for us. It was sad. Yeah. It was yeah. like, because classic Walmart was such a thing. It was a thing. But they had, the, they had the stationary aisle and they had the little, um, this is so like I'm dating myself, this is so early 90s, but they had the, the rack <laughs> with all the different like poster boards. Yeah. And I just remember like I would always love the bright neon poster boards. Like oh, yeah. The orange and the magenta and I had the Crayola uh, like hot lights markers when mm-hmm. I was a kid. I just, I, I don't know, I love those colors. So as far as like aesthetics and being zany and crazy, I love like a neon moment. I've never thought about this until just now, but I think I avoided those colors as a kid because they asked something of me. Mm. Like you can't Fair. just you can't just take those colors in. You have to then do something with it because it's like it's neon for a reason. Like neon sign is a neon sign for a reason, and uh, I just liked stuff that was kind of sleek and strong. Like you could just wear it, yeah. you know, or hold it, and sure. that, and it's doing the work for you. Neon, I feel like you have to like. All right, so what are you about? It's you know, a say show something me. color. It's it a really say is. something color. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always like them. I don't know why. Yeah, so this mint green that you were talking about, is it kind of neon? Or no, no. That, that's it's just it's mint. pastel yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a nice little that's pastel good. moment. That's good. See, pastels, I had the same experience with where I was like, I had some aversion to them, but not because really? of how they looked, but because of how they made me feel when I used them. A little too mellow, a little too muted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also loud in their subtlety. Yeah, and that's the nuance that it required to actually use them effectively freaked me out. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying like in an artistic setting. I mean, just like you know, wearing things and you know, on Easter, my mom would try to put a, some sort of pastel tie on Easter me. Easter is all about the pastels. It is. It's really all about the pastels. It's kind I of jabroni-ish. Yeah, yeah. I'm not about it. All right, so colors. Yeah. The South. Yeah. Where in the South? Daytona Beach area. And are you a beach boy? I love the beach. What is your favorite activity to do on the beach? Just laying down in the sand, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I just like laying there and soaking up the sun. The sun feels like a gigantic hug. It's great. Yeah, it does. And then there's this point where you cross it and it feels like a gigantic bottle of poison or something. And you're like <laughs> kind of dying. It's a little too much, yeah. So from Florida, uh, was you were digging the Walmart vibes as a kid? I, oh yeah! I got I racked up eleven spankings in one night because you know in some of the WalMarts and like Home Depots the floors that they would use like the waxing on it yeah. or whatever you could run do 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 and slide and do a good slide absolutely yeah. I got spankings yeah, yeah. for that. Oh uh, well, you shouldn't be doing that. You're gonna get hurt. Yeah, that's, that's what my mom said. Yeah, yeah, that's terrible because they had, but they had that tile. It was that. That super slick, like, yeah. 90s tile that they all had the same pattern, and they would replace one, but it wouldn't be the quite the same color as yep. the one that was there, so yep. you'd always know the tile that broke because some kid slipped on it. Right. Probably. I don't know. It's all conjecture at this point. It's Yeah, this is all theory. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Walmart is a very special place. The South is a very special place. It's weird. Did Okay, so how long were you in the South? So I was born in the Bronx, but... 
we moved there to my neighborhood that I grew up in when I was eight. So I was there from eight oh, okay. to 25. So I, I rep Florida. Like, that's where I'm Whoa, from. Whoa, eight to 25 in Florida. From yeah. the Bronx. From the Bronx, yeah. And you're back in the yeah, city? back in the city, yeah. I want to know how all of that happened, to be honest. All right. I yeah. mean, it's a story. Okay, so let's start. All right. So how I got to Florida or how I got back to New York? What's the well, let's, let's start with, like, why'd you leave? And then what'd you do when you were in Florida? Because it's, like, different from New York. And eight's, I think, old enough to remember what New oh, York is I, like, Yeah, right? I remember the life before yeah, okay. Florida. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, okay. So what happened was my mom always wanted to eventually go to Florida. She loved Florida. And uh, it's kind of a very consistently Puerto Rican thing to want to move back to Florida. Like, we love it. Hmm. Uh, my dad's from Puerto Rico. My mom was born in New York, but she's also Puerto Rican. And a super Puerto Rican family. They get married. They already have kids. They have me. I'm the one between them. And uh, my oldest brother uh, is growing up, and the kids have to go into the city. We, we had a house in Piermont, New York. You know where that is? I don't. Piermont, New York is just outside of the city. So it's like in Rockland County. It's by Tappenzie River. Okay. And so they had, in, in an effort to get us out of the city, they took us to Piermont. And uh, so Tappenzie is where I went to kindergarten and first grade. And we're there, and my brothers have to go into the city for school, and they're getting older, and it's getting complicated. So um, they're like, well, maybe now is the time to move to Florida. You know, Andrew's still a baby. We can do the whole thing. So they get the wheels in motion. Uh, there's a development called Palm Coast that just got scorched in, by fire in the 80s. Mm -hmm. So the property is cheap, and it's what it is. And so they get property. My grandparents build a house down there. My brother moves in with them. And then a year later, we move down. And so we get to Florida in this newish suburban development where all the houses look the same. Very little shop of horrors moment. And, uh, and I'm there. And while I'm there, I just have this overwhelming, like, I don't belong here situation happening. And I don't know where I learned that from or what that is, but I always, like, felt it. Hmm. And I still remember being in second grade and seeing a book on New York City and bringing it home. And it was a book written in the late 80s. And it talks about late, it talks about 80s New York and how it was complicated and how you have to hold your purse tight to you. And I still remember reading it. And I just remember being so fascinated by it as a kid. And my mom's like, no, we worked so hard to get you out here. Relax. This is what's up. But I just, from second grade, I just carried this thing that I'm going to move back to New York. I'm going to move back to New York. Hmm. I finished high school. I'm like, I'm moving back. I'm not going to college. And they're like, that's not a thing. You got to go to school. And there's a whole story about how they got me to go to school and how they convinced me to stay in school. That's a whole nother thing. But I go to school. I finish school. And I'm like, all right, now's the time. I'm going to go. And uh, my friend wanted to write a musical. And I was like, yeah, I can write songs. I just decided I could write songs because my dad told me I could. I didn't really know what I was doing. Sometimes that's what it takes is just to say that you do it and then you start doing it. Yeah. and uh, So and did you do it? I did. I, I wrote a musical with my friend and uh, and that's the reason I moved up here. We were going to pitch it together. And so I was like, well, now I got a reason to go. And I found an apartment oh, in his cool. building and he lived two floors above me. And my first writing partner lived two floors above me in, in the Heights and that's still where I live to this day. Not in the same apartment, but right. in the same neighborhood. That's awesome. Because of Because you connected to it? Yeah, yeah. Just where I landed, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's my hood. Yeah, that's how we landed in Astoria, but we didn't choose it, but it kind of chose us in a Absolutely, weird way. Yeah, cool. That's really cool. So, did you guys continue to work 
We on it once you moved here? We did. We continued to work on it, and it, it required an unbearable amount of funding. So we wrote two other shows um, trying to gain more footing with those. And none of those really went anywhere. And then he eventually moved to New Orleans, and, and then I stayed. Like I moved up here to collaborate with him and yeah. ended up having my life here. Now he's on the West Coast. He actually just reached out to me. We're going to start another show 10 years later. So like, That's cool. Yeah, it's life doubles back on itself. Did sometimes. you use any of the work and, and time and effort that you put into those first um, two to three shows that you did? I did, and it's, it's fascinating because a lot of those – a lot of that early music ended up having a really nice life. So um, that first show that I wrote ended up, uh, when I left my church job in Florida, they wanted me to do a performance. And I was like, I'm kind of focusing on writing right now. So I ended up using all songs from that first show that I wrote as the performance that they commissioned mm. for me. And then the second show that I wrote with him a couple of people had done it in new music cabarets. And because of that, that sheet music got super popular. And so that started getting like, I made a little bit of money selling that out. So that random song from a show that never got produced. And then the third one, That's uh, cool. we actually had some money behind it for a minute. And we produced a really elaborate demo with a huge orchestra, a great orchestrator, and a lot of Broadway stars that be right before they became stars. It was just an odd cluster of people that were hmm. about to become super popular. And so, like, me as a nobody because of that show ended up meeting and working with some really, really fantastic people right before they blew up. So a lot of good came from all of those projects for me, and it's, it's really special. I think that's why me and John are still very close, because it was a beautiful moment in our lives to experience all that work. Yeah, and I think when the work is genuine, you will reap something. Because if you're sowing integrity, mm -hmm. there's something that's going to come back. And, you know, like usually what you get back is a reflection of what you're giving. So it's it's to no surprise to hear that. But it's also like for those who may be listening or even for you at some points, I know for me at some points in my process and journey, it feels like the work I'm doing now is it may be unclear or, you know, are we going to get the funding? Is this going to go up? Will people use this? Is this going anywhere? But sometimes it's not about what you're the project that you're actually working on. It's about the spirit behind it oh, and the absolutely. people that you meet along the way. Yeah. And what you can learn from it. And what you can learn from it. It's yeah. almost like building a toolkit. It really is. Yeah. That's cool. So, okay. So this skill that you've, that you developed kind of just by saying it and then by doing it years later of writing shows, mm -hmm. are you using that now? Yes, actually. Yeah, I, I still write all the time. And uh, I think the last show show that I wrote was a year ago. Um, but actually just yesterday, that show, they did a showcase of it at Harlem School of the Arts, like three pieces. They're showing their new musical theater program. And they had wanted to do a workshop performance of that show. And so they had some students come and perform. So I actually, Whoa. so yeah, I'm still using it. And I got to experience three of my pieces uh, yesterday with some really cool students in Harlem. That's awesome. Yeah, it was neat. Was it kind of like an educational experience for the students or were they just strictly putting on a show? It was too, uh, it was, the goal was for them to understand what putting up a new musical feels like. That's cool. Yeah. I actually, this is a perfect segue because uh, as a senior project in high school, which was some years back for me, not like, you know, enough to be like high school, but mm. 
it was some time. Yeah. I wrote a one act because cool. my English teacher, who was my mentor for the senior project, she told me that I couldn't do it and it was too late. You know, I had no songs at this point. I had no plot or anything. Mm. I hadn't rented the space, you know, and she was like, I don't think, like, this is going to be your project. And when she said that, that was my moment where I was like, no, I write musicals, you know? So I just started doing it. I did it. Um, And I'm at a point now where I'm, like, kind of wanting to revisit. I don't know what the first step is. So do you have any advice? For starting? For, like, starting a revisit. Starting a revisit. Yeah. Yeah, um, honestly, pick the thing about it. I would say for me, the thing about it that seems the most daunting, the scariest part of it, that one aspect that's like, this is the thing that freaks me out about it, and just do that. Because once that's done, then the scariest part of it is over. Mm. It seems esoteric to say, but I I get hung up on anything I want to start, I get hung up on the thing that scares me. And if you can boil it down to the scariest part of it that seems impossible, the other stuff will sort it out. That's huge. That's huge, and it makes things clear cool. for me. So, okay, so if you moved up here mm-hmm. for writing a musical with your flatmate who lived two floors up, mm-hmm. who now lives in New Orleans, I think? Oh, no, he's now he's in L.A., yeah. In L.A., but he left you is all I'm he trying left, to say. Yeah. So that chapter of your life kind of came to a close, even though you're still flexing that muscle and developing it. Um, that's not your main pursuit, right? No, not anymore. So what did you, this idea of building a toolkit, Yeah. how did you use that? What was the next chapter? Where did you go from there? Well, the next chapter is, when I first moved up after school, I had to get a job. And I started working at a high school. And uh, they said uh, they needed some help with the band program. I don't play a band instrument. I play piano. But I kind of learned how to play saxophone to teach these kids saxophone Whoa. for a semester. Yeah, it was weird. They played pretty well. Um, don't remember any of it, but my kids did play well. I was proud of them. And then um, once that went out, I ended up becoming the IT guy at, of the building for a while. Hmm. And I just kind of learned how to do that from the guy that was there. And then when he left, I took his position. So I had this this whole um, day job situation. And uh I got into, uh, somebody asked me to do arrangements for them. They're like, we know you're a musician. And so I have a full-time job as a network admin. They're like, we know you're a musician. And I started uh, doing arrangements for cabarets. So I got into the cabaret scene and uh, then st- eventually started music directing cabarets. And uh, that was sort of the only like musical thing I did. And because of my connection to Jonathan, he recommended me for a job doing uh, charts for a new musical. And I was like, great, I can do that. I know how to do takedowns by ear. And then from that, they asked me to music direct the reading of that musical. And I got a nymph reading. And uh, I was like, okay, I'll do that. And from that one project, I stuck with that project for three years. That got me, uh, I, I got to do the developmental production of that at Goodspeed, Norma Terrace. And um, just from one cabaret gig and one contact, I turned that into a music directing career. Whoa. Yeah, okay, so it sort of evolved from there, from that one thing. It's really weird. That's very weird. Yeah. So I have a question. Talk to me. Yeah, and then hopefully you'll talk right back at me. <laughs> My question is this. Um, so, like, how do you know... Like, we're, you're navigating weird waters. I think as artists, we navigate open waters. 
And we're trying it's to find our path. We're trying to find our channel or our current. Mm. So you're on this ship. How do you know not to jump ship? Do you, do you have moments where you're like working on this show and maybe your motivation, your excitement for it has come to a close, but for some reason or another, you, you either duck out or you, you stay and then it turns into this connection, which turns into a career. Like, are you just following your gut? What, what, um, how did you navigate these waters? That's a fantastic question. Um, for me, I'm trying to think, what's the clearest way I can answer this? Because th- on a project-per-project project basis, the, the response is different. Yeah. And the yeah. emotional response and, and, and fight or flight is so real. I, as stressed out as I can get, I pride myself in seeing things through as best I can to the best of my ability. And uh, for whatever the end result may be, I really make a commitment to finish a project. You know, so... Um, there's that. If, if, if you start from there, that like I'm here and I'm going to do my best. I'm, keep going. I'm yeah. writing this down. This is good. I'm here and I'm going to do my best and I'm going to give it my all. Um, a lot of it is if you commit to that innate goal that it's just every project has an end date unless it's open-ended, but everything really has an end date. So you, I'm just going to see it through to the end and give it my best, whatever it may be. Um, and then a lot of it, comes I have a really wonderful support system around me of people that love me and trust me. And so whenever I feel insecure about what I'm doing, I look at either the team I'm working with, because I've always been pulled into a project by people, and this is a gift, but I've always been pulled into a project by people that are so experienced and talented and really believe in me. And I'm like, well, I know you are having kind of a shitty mental health moment and doubting yourself, but if all of these people trust you, that's, it's impossible that they're all fools, right? Mm-hmm. You trust them, you love them, so you can do this, you can get through it. And then uh, I have a social circle that's very vibrant and very supportive. And uh, I've reached out to them on several occasions, been like, I don't know, I don't know how, if I can hang, I don't know if I can do this. And I have the best cheerleaders in my corner that anyone could ask for. So, you know, they say it takes a village. It, it truly does. It takes a village, which is community. And in some senses, that's a scary thing for people to do because, like, most of the fear as a creative comes from the response, mm-hmm. whether or not it's the one you you were looking for. It was negative, or maybe it, you didn't solicit elicit solicit a response, which is like illicit, no, illicit, 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 yeah, elicit a response, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It sounded wrong coming out, but maybe you don't elicit a response, and then that can devastate you. So this is kind of interesting. It's like where the rubber meets the road. You said earlier go with the scariest thing first and for you to go straight to your village and your community, your people, like your litmus test. Yeah. That's like, yes or no, black and white. Like, and then that trust that you see that they have in you empowers you to keep going. And that's kind of scary. It's like the neon colors that we were talking about. You know, you have to do something with that. You can't just hold it and it works for you. You got to make choices. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you, when you're surrounded by that much love and that much trust, uh, you have responsibility. Were you? Yeah. So were you in this position of responsibility, which was the new music directing. Oh yeah. Musical directing career. Your first project. What was it? Were you surrounded by people that you loved and trusted? Yeah, actually, the first one That's was beautiful. Was that nymph reading, and. Um, 
up until that point, I, I, I was fresh out of college, you know, so my New York professional experience was very limited. So and, college uh, to nymph reading, how much time? Uh, it was two years. That's two years great. College. That's yeah. great. And I did that reading, and uh, I, I still work with those people to this day in some capacity. And that composer that I did that first nymph reading with ended up bringing me aboard his off-Broadway show two years ago. And so we got to, and that was an open-ended run, and I got to do that with him and be part of that journey. So uh, it's all of those things sort of fed into where I am now. Which is? Which is I just, I just finished kind of a whirlwind summer of full-time music directing and teaching. And, uh, and doing that, sort of being a hustling artist in the area. Hustling artist. Yeah. Is most of your time um, committed to doing or teaching things that you love? Actually, yeah. You know, it's funny. I didn't really realize it until, like, you presented that question. But, yeah, I'm, I'm teaching right now at a August Intensive at uh, Paper Mill Playhouse in Jersey. Whoa. And... Um, I know that I know that playhouse. Oh yeah, yeah no, yeah. it's great. They do fantastic shows, and um, and the program is really good. And I've been with that Augustine Sense program for four years now, and um, I really love it. And it's yeah, I really love what I do there. It's a musical theater intensive for these students, ages ten to sixteen, and and they're really talented and they're really fun, and and they let me do really creative musical things with the kids, and it's yeah, I love it. That's great. Okay, so you do you work with kids? Yeah. What um, what challenges do you face specifically working with kids in a theatrical or creative environment as opposed to working with adults? It's funny because like um, you're here with Lena, mm-hmm. and we actually talked about this um, in our first episode, our very first episode when we were trying this series out. Mm-hmm. I asked Lena, like we were talking about the concept of professionalism in working with like children's theater. Is there a point where the child's well-being comes second to their professional, like, responsibility once they sign a contract or whatever? So, like, I'm just I'm I I work with kids, mm-hmm. and I, for a long time I did after-school educational arts, sure. and so it's just something that I'm personally interested in. So, yeah, are there any like challenges that are specific to working with kids? Yes. All kinds of challenges. Um, as a teacher, you have to make sure that they feel safe enough to take risks. You know, so you have to create an environment that's safe for them to flourish. But also, because they they want to be actors, they are actors and they're acting. They have to feel safe enough to take a risk to really deliver some sort of meaningful performance. And you want that for them because it's mm-hmm. not about it's not a summer program that's like about coloring or like having fun. It's really about learning the craft. And so you want to use they're there for you to use your professional expertise to teach them parts of the craft. But with that, uh, another challenge that I face personally is that when they're super talented and they're very, very close to something, uh, I get demanding as a music director. And that's good for them. But. Sometimes you get you can forget that they're also twelve, yeah, and yeah, you know, especially with the talent, yeah, the oh, the talent can be super deceptive. Like, well, they're also twelve, and they're gonna, they have a certain level of patience and experience that they can give you, you mm-hmm. know, and and a challenge is knowing when to like back off and sort of let them go home and sort it out. 
that's a challenge. Also, with the younger ones, they do get tired and their brains uh, get fatigued and you can only give them so much material before you're getting to the point of diminishing returns and you're going to have to teach that last hour of music all over again. So you can stop, let them have a break and like rework it. So there are some limitations as talented as they are. My kids are really, really talented. Um, I, feel, I, sound, I sound like such a parent. That's such a parent thing to say. But they are. They're brilliant. Yeah. But there are like yeah. certain limitations just because just they're kids, you know? And they still have to have fun. They have to have that sense of wonder and enjoyment, you know? And you want them to work really hard and, and, and understand that a good work ethic is important, but you really also need them to start building the skills to not drive themselves crazy, something that you see adults do. You know, I was really just about to ask you, yeah. The adults, it seems like once you become an adult, whatever that means, mm-hmm. you stop doing the things that you did as a kid that work, that you know work, that work for yeah. you. And it's almost like on the polar opposite end of the spectrum where you're like, as a kid, you would rather the playground have all the fun things. Mm-hmm. You don't care about safety. Like, I just want, I want a ball pit, I want a mega jump, I want a ramp, I want a balance beam, all the things. And as an adult, you're like, playground? You, o- you only see the dangerous stuff. Yeah. Or in this scenario, I'm an actor. I do theater or whatever it is. I'm, I'm a light yeah. designer. I do not care for anyone but the light board operators and myself. It can get way too serious. It can get way too serious. So I was just about to ask you, since you're very active in this field, what are some of the roses and thorns in your experience of working with people? Like what are some of your best experiences in terms of professionalism and just good vibes? And then Mm -hmm. what are some nightmare stories that may scare some people away? from this pursuit. Oh my gosh. You don't even, you don't have to think names. Just, okay. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Okay. Good. (laughs) Good. 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 But, uh, I didn't want you to be like April. uh, I know. Right. That'd be so horrible. It'd be way too much tea for a Sunday afternoon. Um, (laughs) all right. Uh, some of the best, uh, honestly, uh, some of the best friendships I have made in my life are from, uh, collaborative endeavors and so from creative projects. And so, uh, it sounds so silly, but um, you have to have a good hang vibe. You know what I mean? And I just learned that more and more, that like when you have a good hang vibe, you find other people with a great hang vibe. Yeah. And you can have some really, really, because it's a job that requires so much work and so much vulnerability and so much attention to detail and so many different things that when you have people that are willing to commit that much and they're cool to be around, you get really close really fast. And like... I have a project that I wrapped recently and it was it was working with two old friends and we had done a show eight years before and we all all stayed in touch, but we hadn't worked together for eight years. And uh, we worked together again and it was like no time had passed and that group text thread is still alive. We worked together before text threads were a thing and now we have a text thread <laughs> to keep alive. And it's great and, and it's, and I still love and respect them as much as I did eight years ago. I had, an even better time on this project with them than I did the first time because we're all just even more grown up than we were then. Mm-hmm. And um, so the interpersonal relationships that I've been able to cultivate and curate from years of working around the country is, has been wonderful. And that's worth his weight in gold. That's the best of it, I right. think, for me. My yeah. circle. You know? Your circle, because that affects like how you go about the what. 
how you go about making the what it is that you're making. Definitely. And it affects the the product, the mm-hmm. result. Like, for instance, I could tell um, right when I came out of the shower and I saw you take me in mm. with your, you know, like process that I was here and you were about, you know, we were meeting each other. I could just tell specifically in the context that I was a little later than planned. Um, I was like, oh, this guy's here Yes, to do a podcast, but he has the hangout vibes. Oh, good. And whether or not it was genuine, you, maybe you're just a nice guy, mm. or maybe that is just who you are, right? Maybe you're just like trying to be nice, or maybe that's who you are. It doesn't matter. It affected my mood and how I took you in, and it's affecting the tone of this conversation. Like, this conversation could have been really awkward or really bad if you were like, yeah, man, you know, you said three so i was here at three so but it's cool oh yeah it's like but people are like that yeah especially in the circles that Absolutely. you run yeah maybe not the people that you your circle but the circles of your profession there's Definitely. some toxic um professionalism mm-hmm. there because it's still professional i yeah. get it you know you have a call time boom boom sign in you expect things to start right then but at the same time it's like you know, part of why we're doing this is because it's it spoke to something in our soul, and hopefully, you want to speak to other people's souls. And souls don't always run on a clock, no, or a schedule. No, also, um, context is real. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm coming to talk about the craft to someone's home. You know, and it's like, it's 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 a different thing. It's for me to hold you hostage about that and to be all nasty about that seems so unreasonable. I just don't even think some people have the awareness to to do that, to to place the context. You have to. You know, they think about, yeah, they're in someone's home, but they're in someone's home because it's part of their schedule and their day. Yeah, but you're invited into someone's home. You know Thanks what I mean? Thanks for being here. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I have a couple of questions for you still, so... Go for it. Okay, good. I, I'm trying to get you out of here on time, and, mm. but we have time. We have like 10 minutes until I said... Groovy. So um, I kind of want to know like your top three projects that you've worked on in terms of like just good vibes, and, and I don't know if you're the same way as a, as a creative, but I really... Like when I make music, when I make things, I am chasing the feeling of a time machine. Mm-hmm. Where when I, if I listen to a song, or if I, or if I'm watching this video that I made, I want to go back to that moment and feel what I was feeling. Or if a listener is listening, I want them to go back to my, that moment that I felt. Or it makes them go back to a moment they've had. You know, like there's some. There are some projects and movies, whatever, content, media, whatever it is where I watch it, and I'm like, this is making me feel something, but I'm not going to a place that I've been before, like in my psyche or in my heart. Mm-hmm. I, I specifically like works of art that take people back uh, because then it allows me to, it's kind of cathartic. It allows me to be present now. If, yeah. I, if I'm reflective in my art, then I can just do now. I love that. Yeah, and so... Um, I kind of just want to know, like, I like reflecting. So what are some, like, good vibes and good moments? What are some highs that you've had? Some highs. Yeah, I want to encourage people out there that may be 
in the grind. They may be on a ship um, about to jump off because they, they don't know whether or not to stay on. But they're, they could turn the corner and have that music directing career right there. They Absolutely. just, yeah. But they're about to jump off. So I just, if someone wants encouragement, what are some highs you've had? All right. Uh, I've had so many really, really good ones. Let me try to boil down. You don't, Not even three. You can just share yeah. whatever you want. All right. One of the best experiences I've had was um, the show that I did, the show that I did off-Broadway. I was with that project from its earliest stages. Like, I did a, a production of it out in North Carolina, and, uh, and then a year later, less than a year later, we did a production in New Jersey, and then that production moved to New York. And uh, that was a real experience for me. I would say I loved getting to the point of opening it in North Carolina. I thought that was so beautiful. Like, and all the work that went into it and the team that was there and the level of experience that I got to share the room with was really special. And, and that opening night in North Carolina was so spectacular and moving for me. And then getting to see it through to the closing performance in Manhattan, just having that whole trajectory that whatever happens with my career, I had that trajectory of seeing a show from legit birth to legit oh, finish. It was really unique. And I, I know Whoa. it's not, I know that's a gift, you know, that's not going to happen for everybody. It may never happen for me again. And I love that I got that. Well, it's for sure not going to happen if you jump ship. Absolutely. But if you have some trust in yourself and your the people that you're with, it's yeah. like you never know where you could end up. No, sometimes these things just go and that, that one just took off and, and, and they consistently invited me back to the party and I'm so appreciative of that moment. So that was a good one. I can't help but draw a metaphor here. So mm -hmm. if there are other highs that you want to share, you, you certainly may, but I just want to add, I mean, the reason that... I was kind of late for mm. this is because we got back from surfing, which is an endeavor that I'm trying to learn a new skill. It's difficult. It's difficult, but, you know, I'm trying to catch a wave, literally. I'm trying to catch these feelings of being, of high, these high feelings, these yeah. good, you know, and I want to see it through from, I want to see it coming and I want to ride it to the beach. I want to, and it, it's kind of rare, like, even if you're a, an advanced surfer, it's like, the conditions may not be right. You just may have an off day. Mm -hmm. You may miss a wave or whatever. Those moments of like paddling and figuring things out, um, it's so easy to, to make it insul insular, mm -hmm. right? And to make it about you. But I mean, I just, I loved that your answer was one of the highs of my already very successful career and experience is a project that I got to see through from start to finish with people that I love doing it with. It's like, it's not about what you did. It's not about you. It's about what you were doing, who you were doing it with. Cause that like, I mean, if you're focused on that, that's your best chance of seeing things through to the end. Absolutely. And I think there's this, there's a repeating theme in my life right now where it's like, the things that are hardest to do and shittiest, not even in terms of shitty, like I don't like doing it it's just i don't want to do this right now like mm -hmm. i like doing it but maybe i don't want to do it today yeah. like maybe in that there were some days in that project you woke up on a wednesday and you were like i just don't want to do this today yeah but it was your high yeah. it's one of your highs of your career and it's like okay but if you go if you go through the work and you do it not only do you have the opportunity to see it through to the end to catch that wave but you'll be welcomed back the locals are like you'll become a local maybe even mm. they'll be happy to see you 
it, it could become your quote unquote beach. It could become your quote unquote stage. Yeah. This could be your project that you get to see through to the end. I, I, I mean, I may be repeating myself. I'm kind of saying this for myself because this is really like, it's good for me to hear, mm-hmm. see things through to the end. Yeah. Yo, if you're out there and you started a project, see it through. See it through to the end and focus on the people around you. See what happens when you do that. Are there any other... Um, that was for you, listeners. And now I'm talking to Andrew. <laughs> Are there any other uh, highs you want to share? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, This one was very special. So the uh, music supervisor of that project recommended me for another job. And he recommended me and the choreographer from that show for this other job. And then they ended up hiring both of us. So I got to work with two people from that show that I loved uh, on a production of Man of La Mancha, which is a show that uh, early in my development of love of musical theater, me and my mom really took to. It was one of her favorites. and Kind of meaty. Oh, yeah. And she had the record, and we watched the movie, and we were so into it. And uh, that production was so special, and uh, it was really... It was some of my best work. Wayne brought out some really wonderful things in me for that project. And getting to work with Marcos and Wayne again was spectacular. And then the director that I met and this new theater and a whole bunch of new friends that I met and an old friend that got cast in it. It was another unique experience on a show that had been a bucket list show forever. Hmm. And uh, I really loved that experience. It turned out to be, if I could boil that experience down, it would be rewarding. If I could sum it up in one word. And uh, my mom flew up to see opening night of it. And I told mm. her, I was like, I know you don't, she doesn't like to travel anymore. You know, she's getting older. And she was like, uh, I was like, you're going to be sad you missed this. This is super special. And it's kind of our thing. And like, how great to like come up and see it. And she flew up to see it. And it was great. And that was another big high for me was opening that show and having her. And in true Puerto Rican fashion, she brought 13 other family members with her because we don't know how to travel anywhere alone. Takes a village. Oh man, we come in we come in herds. And so brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, yeah. uncles, they all came to that opening night. That's awesome. Oh, it was really cool. That's great. I one of my last plays that I did in my undergrad, uh, I had friends and family that were all living in New York come because it was a pretty big role. It was a pretty big play. And um, I mean, it's just overwhelming. There's a picture that I'm thinking of we took after the show where we're standing on these steps outside of the theater and, and it's a pretty wide, broad staircase and we were taking up all of it. And I had this moment where I was like, these people are here to see me. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, it takes a village and then sometimes you need that village to keep things in perspective. Yeah, they'll like, come through for you. They'll come through and the, and the act of them coming through is sometimes the litmus test. Oh, yeah. Like It's like, whoa, dude, whether or not you think that I'm good, you have the faith and the trust in me to like be here, so I need to be good. Oh, absolutely. And, and the other thing that the village is supremely wonderful for is that because the job requires so much attention to detail, so much long hours, vulnerability, all of the things we can get in our own head, mm-hmm. and, and then you get to that dark place, be like, well, this is what I do. And dark. All dark and dramatic. Dark. And they're, and they're good about grounding you, and like, yeah. be like, yeah, but that kitty cat sweatshirt that you sewed a button and made a cape out of i saw you do that right <laughs> and like so that's that's actually who you are yeah. so all this is real <laughs> yeah but also, yes yes it takes it, it take it puts you back where you, you are back this is who you are it's like a mirror yeah and i think so oftentimes like especially in this theater world where you're you're choosing to spend your time where you it's a sunny day you're going to a dark theater yeah 
with people that have been there for maybe two or three hours before you, everyone's wearing black, everyone's on their phone. It's like every, you know, all the curtains are black. It's dark. It's like dark, dude. And you're there to bring light. So it's good. I mean, the more that we can take the village and put it in that context of professionalism and work, like the more Andrews we have out there, like the happier I think we all will be. And also the more, the more effective and clear our work will be. It's, It's sweet, but true. Thanks, man. Dude, this dialogue that we have going on at LFA, this ongoing dialogue, I have a firm belief that with each guest I have, it will continue to get better. But you, I mean, today with what we talked about, you brought it up. Really appreciate that, man. Giving, dude, I appreciate you. I appreciate everything you've said. Thanks, man. I, I don't know exactly what time it is, but I want to, yeah, I want to get you out of here. But I also want to, two things, I, w- I want to say one thing and then I want to ask you one thing and then... After that, you can say whatever you want until we are done. Groovy. Um, so basically, I just want to know if you could say one thing as an artist to the artists out there that are listening and trying to figure their shit out. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, what would you say? It's good to work hard. It's important to work hard, but remember to put some energy into leaving yourself room to enjoy what you're doing. It's going to create a better emotional experience for you, and it's going to create a better product at the end of the day. I feel like, and I'm guilty of this, too often we work hard because we wear working hard as a badge of honor, and it is honorable to really put the work in. But uh, if you don't leave yourself enough room to really enjoy the process, really respect the process, really love yourself through the process, your product is going to suffer. Hmm. And we forget that part of it. It's important to leave enough room to breathe and enjoy it and live it. So breathe or you won't be able to for very long. Truth. Absolutely. Sounds very obvious, but sometimes the context context can muddy things. Hmm. Sometimes circumstance can make you forget who you are and you need that mirror to slap up against your face. We all need reminders. Yes. And the last thing that I was going to do was play a game. It's very, very quick. We'll play one round. Maybe it won't work. It's not really the point. I just want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy your company for these last few minutes. Let's do it. I'm in. Also, just so you know, you're welcome back on anytime. I want to go through guests for the second time just so this dialogue can stay here sure, for sure. people and it can yeah. be fresh but familiar for people out here that it, it that are listening and it's, this is helpful. But anyway, the game is this. It's called, um, I forget what it's called, Mind Meld. Mm. That's what it's called, Mind Meld. I haven't played this on the show in a while. So for all the OG listeners, we're about to play a game of Mind Meld. Um, the, the game is very simple. It's like an improv game used to warm people up and get them, you know, break the ice. So basically, I'm going to count down from three. We throw out a word. I throw out a word that, it's you know, it could be random. It could be a word that I've been wanting to say for some weird reason. Mm-hmm. Or it could be a word that you think of and you intentionally choose. And from there, it's a word association game. So you could say blue and I could say ice. And then I count down from three again. We say another word, Mm -hmm. and we keep going until we say the same word. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So do we we say at the same time? We always go at the same time, or we go back and forth? We always say it at the same time. Always say it at the same time. Until Until it's it's the same word. Mind meld. Okay. 
Yeah. Great. Three, two, one. Cookies. Oh, cookies. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm looking for a word. That's why I'm not starting it because I am going to mess it up, but let's just do it. Okay. Three, two, one. Lemon love. snaps. Okay. Lemon snaps and love. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one. Milk. Valentine's. Okay. Valentine's and milk? And Valentine's and milk. Okay. <laughs> that that face that you gave me, it's like I'm trying. It's like wow, the relations. Yeah. Yeah. Three, two, one. Red Strawberry velvet. quick. See, there we go. We're getting close. now. We're getting there. That's yeah, it. yeah, that's, that's, it. that's good. It. Yeah. You said strawberry cake. Strawberry quick. Oh, strawberry quick. I said red velvet. Yeah. Okay, so we're not allowed to communicate, mm-hmm. but because I <laughs> thought you said strawberry cake, yeah. I need to know what strawberry quick is. Strawberry quick, like the chocolate milk that's strawberry flavored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said red velvet. Yeah. Very good. Good. Three, two, one. Dessert. Hershey's. Okay. We're, we seem to be in a... Yeah. Dessert, Hershey's, three, two, one. Chocolate. chocolate. Ah! <laughs> we did it! Dude, thank you. Thank you, man. That was great. Yeah, that was very, very fun and very helpful and just very uplifting. I I felt like we rode a wave today. Amazing, And we rode it to the beach. Yes. With that mind meld. I love that. That was brilliant. We rode it through the white water, dude. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, man. Welcome back anytime. Happy to be back. And this part's really cool because there's outro music playing. So (laughs) this sounds like super like nice and bubbly. Yeah, it's going to be all legit. See you, dude. Take care. This podcast is produced by Rock Rising. Come follow us on Instagram, and if you want to hear more podcasts, visit rockrising.org. Thanks.